Welcome back, folks, to another episode of Southern Scrap Nation's podcast. Your host, as always, Daniel Jonas, here on Wednesday, May 27, 2020. Charlotte, North Carolina, as always, here to come and talk to you all about fights this weekend. Uh, there was no fights last weekend, so we're just going to be breaking down news today, as well as the UFC Fight Night car that's going to be taking place in the Apex uh, Performance Center in Vegas. Um, it is headlined by Tyron Woodley and Gilbert Burns in the welterweight main event. It's just going to be a fight night now that Vegas is open back up. Uh, it's going to be easier for them to put on fights pretty consistently. As far as other cards coming up, we got UFC 250 in like uh, two weeks. So whoever's fighting on that card, I mean, it looks pretty thin right now. So I don't, I'm not a hundred percent sure what they're going to go ahead and do with that, or if they got more fights to announce and we just don't know them yet. All right. So that being said, remember to go to the podcast on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Google Play, um, Spotify as well. Download it. Write a review, please. As well as you can come, you can go to SouthernScrapNation.com for more um, podcasts every week. And other than that, yeah, uh, let's get started, shall we? We should. We're going to talk a little news before I break everything down as far as fights this weekend. But in the card, there's not much to break down besides the main event. Yeah. As far as, like, having any, yeah, as far as having any, like, uh, future, what's the word for it, like, ramification, uh, that sounds negative, but as far as future ramifications for the welterweight division, uh, former champion in town Woodley versus upcoming welterweight prospect, more contender, right? Uh, Gilbert Burns. So we are going to go look at what's going on in the UFC news and MMA news. Uh, on MMA fighting, we got Sean O'Malley. I believe he's a couple. He's a couple fights from the title. Yeah, anything's possible. Bantamweight. There's like four dudes: Aljamain Sterling, Petr Jan, Corey Sanhagen, and Mar- Marlon Marais. Those top four dudes are killers. They're black belts in MMA. Um. Yeah, I mean it's like they you have to fight over them. And those guys are those guys are the best in the division for sure. Uh yeah, you got Jose Aldo Rake six. He's never won. You got Dominic Cruz coming off of a loss. He's still ranked. I mean, Henry Cejudo today was removed from the rankings because he's for sure retired. So the UFC removed him from the rankings. And all he I mean, and the reason why Sean O'Malley's talking is because he's got a fight with Eddie Wyland next, um, and that kind of puts him in a good spot because it's a veteran, former title contender, shows you know where he deserves to be. Goes in there, he puts on a very good performance like he did against Quinones. He should got he should probably get like a Jinger Rivera or someone like that after you know one of the top ten guys. It's a pretty fast rise in Bantamweight as long as you beat the right people. And the right people are 
uh, I think he fights at featherweight now. But you could beat a Hennon Burrell. Um, Eddie Wyland's a good uh, person to try to get a fight booked with. Um, wasn't Bantamweight. Mm. Let's see, Bantamweight division. I'm I'm beginning to think that a lot of the guys in Bantamweight are actually gone by now. Uh, no, I want the UFC Bantamweight rankings. Um. Yeah, everyone else. Oh, Rafael Sunsau, but. It, who just beat Rafael? Someone just beat Rafael Sanso. Um Yeah, see. Sugar Sean O'Malley's not even in the top fifteen. He could beat a John Dodson. That's a good that's a good name if he can get past Eddie Wyland, because Eddie Wyland's not in the top fifteen, right? There are two people in the top twenty. But he needs to get top fifteen status. So you're looking at John Dodson, Jim Rivera, Rafael Sunsell. Like, you're looking for one of those names. Guys that have been in there and kind of hold their place. Cody Garbrandt would be that person, but Cody Garbrandt's got a fight coming against Rafael Sunsell, so they're fighting each other. Never mind. Um, Pedro Munoz. But Pedro Munoz is kind of on a win streak, so right now he's actually looking for, like, contenders whereas yeah i guess a john dodson would be your best bet all right what else uh joe rogan on massive spotify deal so he talks about it um well rogan hasn't confirmed the exact spotify shell that figures land on his podcast spotify paid a hundred million to move the audio and version to the audio and video version of this podcast to spotify and starting this year so then i think spotify is going to start having videos beginning september or so uh joe rogan said to the new york times he's weirdly richer like it doesn't register seems fake it feels gross especially now when people can't work They they added 1.7 billion to its market cap in 23 minutes, right after the Rogan deal was announced. <laughs> yeah, I mean. Yeah, I, I've thought over this, and it's like, whatever. I mean, he, $100 million, sure, give it up. Why not? I mean, no one, the only difference is if you don't pay for pot, Spotify Premium, you don't get ads, or you get ads. I enjoyed him on iTunes because there's no ads. The only ads that there are are his, and then you can just skip forward to them. Um, I know a lot of people are going to be upset about it not being on YouTube, but YouTube does fuck people. I'm not a huge fan of like trying to 
put myself on YouTube because I like to curse in the first two minutes. And from what I've read, it's like you, you have to censor yourself. And it's just a lot. Like videos that you do on YouTube, it's almost like you shouldn't even, you shouldn't even put words in them. And that's why I'm more likely to just put technique videos or something like that on YouTube. Because the whole idea of like you have to censor yourself and kind of watch what you say, it's you go on YouTube to like not do that. That's what it was. You're not going to a nine to five. It's fucking YouTube, right? It doesn't make any sense. Uh, and for what I do, I'm not even talking about anything like political. I'm not even saying anything crazy. It's just, and that's what's even worse. I'm talking about MMA. So that's what's even worse. Even though there's some days where I don't talk about it, but even then. Uh, Kamara Usman opens up as heavy favorite and hypothetical Conor McGregor matchup. I think it's so dumb. Don't put Conor against Kamara Usman. That makes no sense. Makes no sense. Especially because even though Masvidal doesn't even really make sense. Usman should fight like Leon Edwards or something. Um, let's see. Let's see. Thinking that three million for the Jones. So Daniel Cormier and John Fitch go at it. You're dumb. Thinking that three million for the Jones fight was a lot of money is dumb. You should have made 15 guaranteed before pay-per-view and sponsors. Yes, I'd love to make 15. Yes, John, I'd love to make 15 million dollars. I don't know. I mean, it's, yeah, you should have, but that's a different time. Like, especially John versus DC one, John versus DC two. Like, you get what you get paid. The greatest prize fighter in MMA history. This is a. Coach Kavanaugh put, you can argue all day about who's the GOAT, but the greatest prize fighter in MMA history is measured and undisputed. It's not even close. Well, yeah. I mean, Conor McGregor gate was 55.4 million pay-per-view record at 4.3 million. The only person that even came close to that was Anderson. But it depends on what you're talking about. Like, if you're talking about star power, Conor. Obviously. Talking about martial arts skills and you you can't have to if you count PED cases and you gotta take John out, you gotta take Anderson out. And then George I mean he I guess that would be George. And cause George uh was smart, he got out. Whereas and John's still going, but Anderson kept going. See, Leon Edwards, Usman, fuck them, they don't want it. They making every excuse in the book, I'll fight you, Fight Island, or in the States, let's go. Petr Jan, waiting for the news. Man, I hope Petr Jan gets a fucking title shot, man. That dude is scary. John deadlift, or squatting for those heavy, for getting his legs up for heavyweight.
uh, Pons and Ibio and Dustin put up a video today or a picture today. And it's like Dustin used to make featherweight, and they're kind. Pons and Ibio is definitely thicker. You can see it, but yeah, it's crazy that Poirier used to make featherweight. I can kind of see it though. He definitely put weight on, but I can imagine when he was younger, without like man muscles, you know, when he was still like, young twenties. I could see it. I've seen crazier. The fuck? Uh, switch. Um, is this like a? This is like a. What is this place? So <laughs> so in Brazil, right, there's two different things, right, in Brazil. There are hotels and there are motels. When you ask for a motel, a motel is a place where you take, like, a significant other or a mistress or someone or a lady of the night, and you pay for a room by the hour. Or you can pay by, I think, the day or whatever. But this one specifically in Brazil made a motel room with, like, an octagon and bed, and you can put, like, gloves on so you can live out the fantasy of fucking in an octagon, I guess? Oh, that's crazy. But, yeah, it's hilarious. It's hilarious when you go to Brazil and you see, like, Playboy Hotel or Motel, and you're like, what? And they're, like, underground garages. It's a fun time. But when you look at them, you wonder how they even get business because it's it seems like something that I don't know. It just seems it seems it seems odd. Sorry about that, folks. Just had to use the restroom real quick. So anyway, yeah, it's funny when you go to Brazil and you see those things, <clears throat> and you just wonder who they're for because you know it's progressive world now, um, and in the states we don't really have something specific. You just go to a hotel or a motel <clears throat> but you know whatever 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 so moving on let's go to mma junkie see what's going on in that world actually i think there is something um there was something this past week Let's see, let's see, let's see. I think it's mostly the Notor the Connor and the Usman fight, right? People are trying to make that happen. That just doesn't make any sense to me. Um yeah, I think that's the biggest thing. Oh, also, a lot of fight announcements. Frankie Edgar versus Pedro Munoz. Fucking banger of a fight. Uh, Courtney Casey versus Jillian Roberts. Bilal Muhammad versus Liam Good. It's a great fight at welterweight. Ryan Beno versus Tyson Nam. Andre Feely versus Charles Jordan. Ooh, really good fight. Andre Feely, top... Um, he is a... 
team alpha male guy, but he works at CSA now. And very high level, um, very high level striking. And Andre Feely just won his last fight. Close fight, close fight. To be honest, if I remember right. No, he lost. I thought, I thought, uh, yeah, yeah, never mind. I didn't think he won. Um, Sadiq Youssef. So he's coming off of a loss, but this Charles, uh, Charles Jor, damn. He fought Duho Choi. And I was like, damn, that's a, and it was like his debut. But he beat Duho Chan, uh, Duho Choi. He knocked him out with a left cross in the second round. And if you remember, Duho Choi went back and forth with Cub Swanson. And this guy's striking is like legit. He's from Canada. Um, he's got really good striking. He's from Belleau, Quebec. Oh, wait. No way. He lists his coach as Sandro. Sandro Fur. No shit. Who is uh, a striking coach at TriStar that I've worked with. Very, uh, my, one of my favorite coaches. He and Neil are, he and Neil are my boys. Those are my, those are my coaches up there. Like, if I could bring them down for any fight, uh, 100%. Um, shit, that's crazy. He's great. Like, watching him fight Dua Choi, that was unbelievable when he knocked him out. And then you have Davidson Figueredo rematched with Joseph Benavidez again for the vacant flyweight title. So it's like it was vacant, now it's double vacant, and so they're just going to figure that out. And then you have Alexander Pantoja versus Askar Askarov, who, <coughs> who's great. He's a, he's a pro, he's a, he came in from another organization. He's now fighting Alexander Pantoja, scary flyweight. But Askar Askarov is also like a very technical MMA fighter coming from Russian promotion. So it's a good fight. It also adds a little bit of flavor and new blood to the flyweight division as they're trying to figure out the top of it. Um, let's see. So, yeah, mostly I want to kind of talk about the masvidal Connor situation because it's saying that Masvidal wants to fight Nate again. Um, and then Connor wants to fight Nate, but Connor also wants to fight Usman. Usman's trying to fight Connor because money fight also it's a it's a championship fight so it's it, it's enticing to Connor because Connor could be the first three division world champion he'll argue that he's never lost all of them um so then Masvidal would open up a door to fight Nate again I guess because Nate's come out of the woodwork to talk shit to him However, however, um, I don't, I don't think that, I don't think that, however, if that happens, that's great. You get Masvidal versus Nate too, okay, or you reverse it and you get Masvidal versus Usman and then Connor versus Nate too. Reason being is Dan Hooker and Dustin Poirier are set to fight. I think that's an amazing matchup, and it keeps the lightweight division rolling. You have Tony coming off of a brutal loss, and, I mean, he looks fine now. He looks recovered. He'd argue he'd be ready to fight 
I mean, that night, whatever. You have Justin Gaethje set to fight Khabib. And you have... Who else? Who else? Who else? Who else? Um, who am I blanking? Paul Felder. Yeah, but he wouldn't fight Paul. Yeah, really, the only person in that situation, like, he's kind of, he would have to fight Tony, but Tony's not going to fight. Um, Tony's not going to fight Connor, just because Connor's not going to fight Tony. And if he did, mm, wouldn't, be a, wouldn't be a bad idea. Especially if he feels like he could win, but whatever. I just think that Connor, the Connor Dustin fight would have been great. Fuck, man. If I'm Connor, I'm trying to make waves. So if the if the Usman fight's available, I guess take it. But I don't like that matchup for him at all. Kumara's just big. It doesn't matter how great your left hand is, and Kumara works with an amazing coach. Henry Hooft, I'm watching his kickboxing fundamentals. Shout out to Henry Hooft um, and his kickboxing fundamentals because it's been great. It's an instructional. I can understand. You can see where all these fighters, like, you can see where they learned. You can see, like, what he teaches definitely reflected on them. Like, their styles are all that way. And it's very effective. I mean, we'll get into Gilbert Burns versus Tyron Woodley, and I'll explain that when I break that down. But it's a very hard fight to just go in there and be like, his striking's terrible, even though his it, the idea that Usman's grappling is what he has and not even striking, it's like, nah, it doesn't work that way. He's getting taught by a former world champion kickboxer, and he's been doing it for years. He's no longer just the wrestler guy. So the idea of Connor going in there, he doesn't really have an advantage anywhere. Whereas the Masvidal fight, they're similar in size, their boxing is kind of on par, and the wrestling department, they're not really going to be shooting on each other. Masvidal probably could take Connor down. Um, and Masvidal's been working with Bo Nickel. For those that don't know, Bo Nickel's a world or a collegiate level champion in wrestling, even more so. I have to get his, all his credentials, but. Like, top, 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 the Penn State guy, uh, if I can explain. So Penn State, like, one of the top wrestling colleges in, in the United States. Uh, Phil Davis, as an MMA fighter, another one that went there. Um, so he's an NCAA. So NCAA Division One is, like, the top school as far as athletic competition so whoever you compete at at that level ncaa division one they're the best so if you're the best there he's a three-time champ there and a big 10 champ to be honest after after uh after college i don't know what happens with with wrestling but it says here he's a a u23 world champion at the 92 kilogram division um so all around great wrestler. That I mean, higher credentials than Usman. That's who Masvidal is working with. I don't understand if you're working with him why you would need that to get ready for Nate Diaz when you stuffed his takedowns and stuffed his uh, ground attacks the first time. So I'm assuming Masvidal is getting ready from 
Usman. I don't know. That just that makes more sense to me. The Connor thing, he, he's just a wrench in it and he's looking to fight in July. I just don't think that that's a I don't think it's a smart fight on his part. Connor's past the Connor is past the smart or he's past the taking fights on short notice, the the rash, like I'm gonna fight this guy kind of thing, like the Floyd, I'm gonna fight the bet. Like he's past all that. He's he's fed that. He's already he doesn't he knows. Listen, I, he'll tell everyone he can beat Usman any day of the week. And he believes it. But come on. Why are we arguing this? They're like two different weight classes. Like they're, they're different species almost. As far as like, like one's a true welterweight could, I'm sure Usman probably could fight at middleweight if he wanted to. Actually, I'm gonna see if there's any pictures. And then Connor used to fight at 145. When I see a guy that like he's teetered between welterweight, um, featherweight, and lightweight, he's a lightweight fighter. He's 155er. The featherweight thing, he only did it because he had the youth behind him. Okay, for example, what Usman did to Rafael dos Anjos, like, that's one thing. Like, it, uh, I wish there was a picture of them standing next to each other. Hmm. Oh, well. Oh, well. What else? What else? Brian Kelleher versus Cody Staneman in growing lineup. So this weekend's fights, Kevin Holland injured out of UFC ESPN 9 bout versus Daniel Rodriguez. So I guess I won't be breaking that down. Oh, Rodriguez gets a replacement. Okay, Gabriel Green. He's nine and two. Hmm. Don't know much about him. Um, former Bellator contender. He's a six-fight win streak. Five submissions, four TKOs. And then, damn, Daniel Rodriguez beat Tim Means. Hmm. Oh, wait. Oh, wait. This is the guy I think it is. Daniel Rodriguez. Oh, yeah. I was like, oh, this is the guy with, like, that very educated right hand. Oh yeah, this guy's great. He uh he like jabbed and like circled uh, I don't know. He jabbed circle to the right and just like 
He just, yeah, he just had a. I mean, his boxing was incredible. That was that could have been a great fight. Um, as far as his fight against this green character, I don't know. I mean, this green guy's gonna have a problem. Um, I'm, I'm all about. I'm all about this Rodriguez character. Um, Gabriel Green. Let's look him up. Let's see. I'm trying to find one of his Bellator fights. This is Kombatchi America. Huh. Uh, let's go. Let's go. Let's go. So he's got, I'm assuming, a ground game because that's what it looks like. He's working a lot of jujitsu, awkward stuff. So, yeah, I'm assuming if I'm this Gabriel Green guy, I'm going submission all day. Yeah, he's doing, like, roll to the cage to get leg positioning, like, on foot locks and stuff. Uh, he's pretty scrambly. His jiu-jitsu is... Yeah, dude. Um, this could easily be an upset, or not an upset, but, like, a short-notice win. Just because of this guy's tricky jujitsu and his grinding, like his grinding behavior. I mean, he like starts, he's got weird angles. He like starts on the bottom too. So he goes for a single, guillotine attempt. He gets con under, underhook control on the fence. Goes for a knee. Trying to see how he gets to the ground. Because when I watch him on the ground, he was on bottom. So, overhook, underhook. Good head pressure. Inside control. Pushes off. Um, yeah, he's just putting pressure on this guy. Oh, this guy shoots on him. Okay. Um, yeah, dude. I'm excited to watch this guy fight, especially he took short notice. He looks fun. Looks like a fun fighter to watch. All right, what else? What else? What else? What I'm, I'm listening to, or not listening, but I'm looking at an article, Ab Kawai, um, Abraham Kawai, the manager of Jorge. They're saying he's got a fight lined up, or he's in fight camp already. I just... Yeah, he's saying George can drop down to 155. I think, to be honest, I think the Masvidal versus Connor fight is the fight to go. And then you give Usman 
Shit, man. Leon Edwards, you got the winner of this Gilbert Burns, Tyron Woodley. If Gilbert Burns wins this, ah, but you can't give him Gilbert Burns. That doesn't make any sense because Usman's Gilbert's training partner. This is so weird. What is, what's Gilbert's point in welterweight? What sucks is Jeff Neal didn't get a fight. Um, and then, yeah, Leon Edwards, man, versus Tyron Woodley. That should have been the fight. And that would have solidified who fought next to the title. And you could have done Masvidal versus Usman or Masvidal versus Connor. I'll fucked it up. I don't like. I don't mind seeing Nate Connor three. I just don't really want to watch it right now. They don't need to do it right now. There's no point. There's so many other fights you can do. I feel like that's like one more time. One more time for the for the fans kind of thing. I don't think you should play that card right now. That's a guaranteed multi million dollar payday for the both of them, and you can do it at any time. It's always going to be a classic, no matter how much older they get. All right. Let's go, let's go, let's go. Done with that one. Done with that. Let's see if there's anything fun on here. Tyson Fury says he was offered Mike Tyson belt. <laughs> To be honest, I don't want to see any bout with Mike Tyson. Shout out to MMA um, True Fan. I think they got. I think they got a. Interview with Vondel or Vandalay Silva. And they said he got a fight with could happen in November or December. To do a bare knuckle boxing. Oh, that makes sense. Because Van because his coach, Cordero, was the one that was holding pads for Tyson. Hmm. Crazy. Wild, wild. Um, all right. I just don't like that. <laughs> See, this is where fighters need to, to get that thought. Tim Elliott says he's no longer chasing wins, focused on collecting bonuses. Make that money. Go out there. If you win, you win. Helps you get money. But if you can also, like, rack in another 50K or whatever the bonuses are, do it. I would love to see Korean Zombie versus Alexander Volkov. It's a great fight. See? 
Francis wishes Jarzinho Rosenstruck fight could have went longer so he could have showcased his ground game. There you go. See, I told you he had a he had something up his sleeve. It's just that he came in windmills blazing and Rosenstruck didn't do anything about it. I wouldn't either. I'd be deer in the headlights all day if I saw that man swinging hands at me. That's a one-way fight you're not going to win, Edson, so probably not going to go back down to 155. It says, Edson says if UFC doesn't give him his win bonus, he won't cut down to 145. Okay, then I guess you're not cutting down to 145. Uriah Hall wants Yoel Romero fight. Oh, his coach does. Saif, Saif Saud. Fortis MMA. He opened it alongside Darren Williams. Since he's had Uriah Hall, Jeff Neal, Diego Fajera, and Macy Chasson, among others. Yeah. Ryan Spann, Uriah Hall, Jeff Neal, Macy Chasson, all those guys. Very good gym. Especially Jeff Neal. I think it's in I think it's in Houston. And then Diego Fajeda beating Anthony Pettis, like technically. And showing off some stuff. Great gym. Fucking awesome gym. All right. Well, that seems like all the news I've exhausted today and tried to make talk about. So it is UFC event breakdown talk. Tyron Woodley versus Gilbert Burns in the welterweight division. Okay, so let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. So the prelims will start. We'll start on the prelims because there are, like I said, there are a couple fights. So Tim Elliott, like I said, who's chasing wins or chasing uh, bonuses, is going to fight Brandon Revol um, and Flyweight. So Tim Elliott being a big 125er, going back out there, he's always he's always exciting to watch, and he's a durable fighter too. So as far as like being able to go 25 minutes with or 15 minutes with uh, another fighter and like bring the best out of them and try to get that 50k, he's that kind of fighter. So expect a, expect an awesome performance from him. Chris Gutierrez versus Vince Morales. Not much known about these two. It's a featherweight bout. Luis Smolka versus Kevin Casey at Bantamweight. Luis Smolka being a former flyweight. I don't even know who his last fight was. A 5'9 used to be a flyweight. It's crazy. And then Casey Kenny. 
trying to see. Luis Smolka's last win. 2019. Okay. Oh, he got subbed by Matt Schnell or by Schnell before that. So last year, he beat McDonald in a K with a KO. And then Casey Kenny, he's Mm. Oh, okay. Wait. Did he? Okay, well, God forbid I go to the UFC fucking website to see these guys' records. Uh, but yes, I'm starting to remember Casey Kenny because he fought Marab Dajafili and he won... Beat Manny Bermudez. Oh, yeah, this guy's like that scrappy fighter. Yeah, 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 I, I remember him. Yeah, this is a great fight. Um, I think, honestly, Casey Kenny is going to be just more output and pressure, and I think being a true 135-er is going to show. So, okay, back to, and I'm assuming the Antoinina Shevchenko versus... Caitlin Chukagi. Oh, okay, so then Jamal Hill versus Kilton Abreu, light heavyweight bout. And then we have that Daniel Rodriguez versus Gabriel Green fight. That is now being in the prelims where the fight that was there, which is the Billy Quartillo versus Spike Carl, Carlisle, uh, the ginger, the alpha ginger, that guy, that guy that came in and, like, had like a real quick performance, really impressive. Fights out of MMA lab, like with Ben Henderson and all of them. Uh, super charismatic guy. They'll be taking that place. So then in the the headline, the prelims, you got Caitlin Chikagian versus Antonina Shevchenko. Antonina Shevchenko, obviously the sister of Valentina, is going to be fighting Caitlin Chikagian, the last person to fight her sister. So if I'm Caitlin, I guess you're taking that. Uh, Jersey mentality and trying to beat this chick's sister up. Um, and that's a quick way to get back to the title contention. My issue with it is if you had trouble with her sister, Antonina's a very different fighter, equally as skilled. The difference is, is her, her style is like, they're about the same, I guess they're the same height. Yeah, they're the same height, but... Um, and Antonina uses her sh her reach a lot, which to me is kind of crazy. Which to me I think is going to actually favor Caitlin Chukagian in this fight because that's kind of what Caitlin does. Uh, she's lo she lost to Mata Ferry. That's her only loss. Uh, but Mata Ferry, I mean, she's a I mean, she just she goes in there and beats prospects. It's, it's her job. So I think uh, this is a great fight for Caitlin, and it's a good way to get back into it. Um, she just has to get over the whole, you know, the fact that Valentina is definitely going to be in that corner and don't get beat before the fight starts, kind of thing. Then you have the return of Mackenzie Dern versus Hannah Cyphers. Uh, this just seems like a feeding for Mackenzie, so she can get back into her winning ways after that um, 
god awful performance um, against uh, Amanda Rebus. Who Amanda Rebus is going to fight Paige Van Zandt? I think that's sick. Uh, I think she uh, mercs Paige Van Zandt. But Amanda Rebus or uh, Mackenzie Dern fighting Hannah Cyphers once again. I think it's just like a here you go. Sorry for that last one, girl. Let's see if she can even make what is this flat straw weight? Yeah, so she has to make 115. So hopefully she does that. Then you got Robert or Roosevelt Roberts, uh, up and coming prospect versus Brooke Weaver, another up and coming prospect. Uh, Brooke Weaver. Everyone loves him. He was on the Tuesday Night Contender Series. He lost in his last fight due to an illegal knee. So he's probably coming back out to get crazy, you know, to get that win. Roosevelt Roberts' last win was against Yakolev. 2019, year ago, about. Oh, wait. No, 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 no. Different guy. Never mind. So, he lost to Vince Pachel. Vince the Hell Pachel. But that's like veteran thing. And then Brooke Weaver's last fight, like I said, he lost due to an illegal knee. And I'm pretty sure. You know what's crazy? Why am I thinking he's a welterweight and not a middle or a... Wait, wait. Lightweight division? He's a lightweight fighter? Ah, shit. Well, he's a lightweight fighter. Okay. And then Roosevelt Roberts. Okay, lightweight. Okay. I thought it said light heavyweight. I was like, all right. That's kind of weird. Um, all right, so lightweight matchup. And then you have the Alpha Ginger Spark Kyle Carl versus Billy Quarantillo. As far as I know, Spark Carl is very technical, very strong, fast. I mean, uh, not something you'd expect from a ginger. Uh, all the ferocity that you can get from it. Uh, Quarantillo has great submissions. His last fight, that was a submission win. It was a submission of the night. He's 31. He's a 1-0. and in the, oh, in the featherweight division. He's not like 1-0 as a fighter. He's, a, he's on a five-fight win streak with five wins by knockouts. It's his record, homie. His record is 1-0. 1-0. I guess in the UFC. It's so, it's so weird. Why would you... So I guess they're one and zero fighters, and then you have Blagoy Ivanov versus Augusto Sakai. Just a heavyweight matchup to what everyone's whistle as far as heavyweights. Um, Blagoy Ivanov, crazy good submission or uh, crazy good uh, grappling Samba world champion. I think it's one of those like three round heavyweight fights that we all go. Can we just see this Tyron Woodley versus Gilbert Burns fight? 
And just like that, we're at the main event. All right, guys, I'm going to break this down real quick um, <clears throat> because I've been mulling over it a lot. And you watch both these fighters. They're, they're similar in a way. Grappling is in their nature, but they've turned into these sh- striking knockout artists, right? You have Gilbert Burns, who even Tyron Woodley couldn't do it in five rounds. Uh, starches. He, um, he starches Damian Maya. And the reason being is his jujitsu is so phenomenal, whereas Tyron Woodley's wrestling is phenomenal, but his submissions are probably just a step back as far as, like, Gilbert Burns is. Tyron Woodley's a black belt in jiu-jitsu, but he submits, like, Darren Till. Gilbert Burns is a black belt in jiu-jitsu, but he submits people like um, uh, Jake Shields. Difference, right? He submits Kazushi, uh, or Sakuraba. I'm blanking on his name. Damian Maya took his back, and he got out of it. Like, he's a different level of grappler. Now... Power for power, Tyron Woodley has the power. The patience, Tyron Woodley. The game planning, Tyron Woodley. Gilbert Burns, I think, the, I think I will say, the thing that helps him out that people may not know and people don't realize is he coaches a lot. He was in, he just fought for, whoever just fought for, uh, Michael Johnson. He was in Michael Johnson's corner. He, uh, he helps out at the gym. Like, he's a, he's a coach. Especially with his jiu-jitsu, it's world class. He's a world champ. And so Tyron has the ability to go for a takedown. And Tyron Woodley, a lot of his... Uh, a lot of his... A lot of his, like, power shots are built off the takedown. Right? That f- the fainting and the explosiveness. Right? He can drop level, come back up real quick. Faint the takedown, come over the top. All right, bull rush forward. I calculated, though. He doesn't do it all the time, and it's not crazy. It's like he does it at the right time. And if all else fails, the takedown's always there. And that's why he kind of circles around the cage, and he puts his back up against the cage, just because it's a... Uh, he and Ben Askren explained it. If his back is up against the cage, he's got all that room to drive his takedown, so if he's got someone up against the cage and he drives a takedown in, their back's against the cage and their takedown defense is immediately 98%. But if his back's against the cage and he, he uses the cage as a, as, a, like as a timing thing, right? As soon as he feels his back foot on the cage, he can drive a takedown in if he feels like it. And he can just take that power and explosiveness and run it to the other side. A person with good wrestling, they're going to get exposed real quick because your ability to, um, to like chain wrestle is going to be shown. If you can't chain wrestle, he's going to just plow right through you. If you can, then maybe you can get your head down and you can like work your way back up. But even then, he's now pushed you all the way to the other side of the cage and he can start setting up his hands. Same thing with his hands, right? If he doesn't, if he just circles around the outside of the cage and he waits. And so if you want to come in, he can counter. You know, 2 one two, two three two, right? Uh, he's patient in that way. 
He allows his opponent to come to him. Well, I guess my light just died. Uh, he allows his opponent to come to him instead of having to rush, uh, rush the action. And especially since it's a five-round fight, Tyron Woodley is very good with managing that energy through those five rounds. So what can Gilbert do in this situation? Gilbert's fantastic everywhere on the ground. Yes, his wrestling and takedowns might not be on the same level, but if Tyron decides to bum rush him across the, across the cage with a double leg or tries to change levels on him or whatever the case may be, Gilbert's not really worried. He can switch out of it. He can reverse the takedown. He can go to the back. And the last thing you want is Gilbert Burns on your back. So where you're going to have to see Gilbert Burns do work in this is to beat Tyron Woodley to the body. Hit him to the body. Take control. Let, don't let Tyron like, f- get a feeling out process. Be very versatile with the strikes. Attack the body. Make him drop his hands. Make him go for takedowns. Zap his energy. And I think where it favors Gilbert Burns is all the force that Tyron Woodley has with jiu-jitsu and his, his intense knowledge of grappling is he's going to let Tyron just exhaust himself out. And then eventually, Gilbert Burns holds power at welterweight. He flatlined Damian Maya, a middleweight. He holds the power. So as long as he can keep his hands up and he can keep wary of that right hand, and it happened in the last fight when, they, when he beat Damian Maya. They're like, it's a turning of the guard. It's a change of the guard. I think this is more of a changing of the guard. Gilbert Burns is the evolution of Tyron Woodley. Gilbert Burns holds power in the right hand, holds power at welterweight, but is grappling. And, I mean, Usman's more of the, like, the, the changing of the guard for Tyron Woodley, a guy that has the same kind of style, but he's a pressure fighter, and he can put wrestling on, and he can dominate moving forward. He doesn't have to rely on patience. Um, obviously, they come from Gilbert. Gilbert and Usman come from the same striking, you know, background or place. So... That's where, and watching, and watching Henry Hoof, his style is very forward pressure into the, into the power side to smother it. And then for you to, he calls it, you're a, you're a defense offense fighter or an offense defense fighter. Where you throw offense, you defend, and then throw offense again. Very Dutch style. Tyron Woodley's smart. He's seen all this stuff. He went to Thailand. He trained. He spent a lot of his camp before the Leon Edwards fight in Thailand. It's Tyron needs to do Tyron. Gilbert Burns, though, he's going to have to take advantage of the situations that Tyron possess, uh, impose. We may see a more kick-heavy Tyron Woodley. But Gilbert just needs to stay composed, realize that his where he can win is to drain the gas tank take the back, and get a submission. I think Gilbert is completely capable of submitting Tyron Woodley. Is he able to knock him out? I don't know about that. Is Tyron Woodley able to knock out Gilbert Burns? Uh, Definitely, yeah. I think that's the scariest part of it. I think that's where Gilbert needs to worry. I think it's the faking of the takedown to the overhand rights to to the not being ready, not being like, because you got to remember the first couple minutes of that, of that welterweight of, of that fight with Damian Maya. Damian Maya just pressed Gilbert because Damian Maya was the bigger fighter. As talented Gilbert is, and 
as much as he possesses power at welterweight, he's not the bigger fighter in this case. Uh, I think height-wise, actually, he might be taller, but I think frame-wise, yes, height-wise, he's taller, but frame-wise, reach-wise, like, Tyron holds that. Even leg reach, Tyron holds that. So I think it's up to Gilbert to just, like, make sure he can get into the fight. Don't let Tyron Woodley just overwhelm him and make him be a deer in the headlights. He needs to allow, he needs to do what he did with Damien, essentially, and is allow Tyron to start piecing his game plan together, staying tight. Remember, in the Damien Maya case, he let Damien get to his back, defended appropriately, got to his feet, and at that moment when Damien did everything he could, realized that it's like, oh, oh no, he threw a jab, and then Gilbert was just patient. Bam, drops the hammer. Got to do the same thing with Tyron Woodley. If it's rolling punches, getting out of the way, using your footwork, whatever, going to either side, dropping for takedowns himself, it's, it wouldn't be a bad idea for Gilbert to even exchange in the grappling, right? He could just like grab Tyron and then he's forced to grapple. Anything to just get him to, you know, to zap on the energy. Got five rounds to work on it. So I don't expect anything quick. And the whole sweating thing doesn't really come to mind as far as, like, in, inhibiting Gilbert's ability to get a submission. But I think it's a great fight at welterweight. It's an unexpected fight at welterweight. It's big implications title-wise for Gilbert Burns, even though his teammate's the champ. So I don't know what that necessarily means. And Tyron Woodley, this is his, this is his chance to come back in, show that he's still in title contention. And is his, and I mean, it, that kind of answers the question of like, what happens with Masvidal, Connor, and all that? If Tyron Woodley can go in there and just like starch Gilbert Burns and show a new, like, revitalized Tyron Woodley, I think you get, I think you can get that Usman Woodley 2 fight. So that's what I think. It's been my thoughts today. Um, other than that, I've got nothing else for you guys. It's been a good hour, so. Hope you all enjoyed today's episode. Did a lot of breaking down. I'll come back next week to talk about the fights this past weekend and UFC 250. We've got Felice Spen- or, uh, Spencer versus Amanda Nunes in, on, in June. So get ready for that. Yeah, Felicia Spencer versus Amanda Nunes. There's a couple other fights on the card. But um, yeah, so get ready for that. I will do a breakdown of that. Until next time, guys, I've been your host, as always, Daniel Jonas. Make sure to check out the podcast on SouthernScrapNation.com, as well as iTunes, SoundCloud, Google Play, Spotify, all your other listening devices. Um, Thank you guys again, and stay safe. Until next time, enjoy the fights.